0: Good evening. Um, Last week, we talked about the importance of the gospel and um, a biblical understanding of what conversion is, and, uh, you know, these are all these things that I think you probably will see, they they tend to have a way of just building, Um, but especially when we talk about the gospel and conversion, um, so much of these just attributes of a healthy church, they they really hinge on whether or not we have a biblical understanding of what the gospel is, what it means to be brought from darkness into light, um, to, to actually believe. So tonight we're looking at evangelism, and we're talking about discipleship, which are really, I think, two sides of the same coin. Um, but they both hinge on getting the gospel and conversion right. So I'd encourage you, um, you know, if you haven't, if you didn't hear our uh, discussion last week, Um, to find that online on our website or through um, iTunes, you can get the podcast. But um, I think that will help just kind of fill out all of what we're going to talk about tonight um, as well. So um, with that, there there are two things we want to talk about tonight, evangelism and discipleship. Um, I I feel like this is true of me that discipleship, I think, comes maybe a little bit more easily for me, a little more naturally to me, um, to engage with people who are like me, um, who believe the gospel, uh, or at least claim to. Whereas evangelism is something that, um, even though I'm about to talk about it tonight, it, it's not something that comes quite easily for me. Um, so, so hear me when I say and I bring these things up, that I believe these things, I think these things are true, um and yet um i i know that i i fall uh, short in in a lot, all these things that we'll talk about um so so please know that um I, I i realize that many of you are are doing these things probably even better than i am um better than others in this room but um i, I want us to be encouraged and, and my hope tonight is that we will all be just stirred up um that that the lord might quicken our hearts so that uh we would really establish more of a culture and cross point of evangelism and of discipleship. Um, I do have some books to give away. And uh, that's a good stack, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've got one, and we've given a few of these away already, but uh, what is a healthy church? It's just working through the, the marks of a healthy church we've been talking about. A lot of them here, and we'll continue to do so, and there are a few other things that he puts in here, but it's just a really succinct way of understanding what healthy church life looks like. Who, who wants this one? We'll probably give it out next week, too, but who, who wants this one? Awesome. And, uh, this one, so I, there is a book on evangelism and I'm even going to read from it, but I'm not going to give it out because this one's mine. And for whatever reason, I didn't have extras to give away and I'm not giving you mine, but I have two books that would be helpful as you think about sharing the gospel with people. One is called, what is the gospel? A very important question to be able to answer if you're trying to tell people what the gospel is, right? Um, and the other one is called, who is Jesus? Both of these are by a guy named Greg Gilbert, who's uh, just a really faithful pastor, I think out in, um. Virginia, but who, who wants the first one? What is the gospel? Oh, man. Everybody, yeah, yeah this row right here is on fire. All right, what about who is Jesus? Anybody? Awesome. Hey, Jared, can you, can you run this back there? Awesome. She's raising her hand, or will raise her hand. Uh, and then I've got four copies. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give away one copy of Discipling right now, and I'm going to hold these other three up here, and if you want it at the end, right, you can, you can come up, and you can grab a copy, and, and we can talk about it, right, because some of you maybe don't really care about Discipling, but then after, Lord willing, you will care about it. Devon, I'll give you a copy later. Who, who else wants one? Oh, man. Mary Catherine, uh, I'm just going to walk this down to you, and then we'll throw it, and you can catch it or not. That's fine. Awesome. So let's talk about this. Devon, I got this one's earmarked for you. Um, evangelism, I I like the way we did this last week. I feel like there were good questions to ask. So three questions to think about when we talk about this mark of a a healthy church. Um, First of all, what is evangelism? That's uh, the question that we need to kind of establish. And we'll talk about what that looks like in the local church, and then what that should look like, why this matters for you as an individual believer. What what role should evangelism have in your life? Um, So uh, what is evangelism? You know, evangelism it's it's this is a biblical word to evangelize this is a biblical term although I, I I look for it in my Bible and you're not gonna find like evangelize written out that exact way uh, but it's it's found throughout the New Testament the, the word that we get that we that we use to derive our English word evangelize. Um, so, so this word um, in in Greek uh, it, it has a lot of different connotations, so you're going to see it all over the place, but it really has a lot to do with proclamation, um, to proclaim good news. Uh, that, that is what it means to, to evangelize. Evangelism is really nothing less than just, than just heralding really good news, um, telling people something that, that has happened, that is great, and you, you want them to know about it. That's what evangelism is. If you go to 1 Corinthians 9, uh, starting in, or just verse 16. Paul, uh, he says, if, if I preach the gospel, um, that gives me no ground for boasting. In other words, this is something I should be doing, right? I'm not going to brag about what my job description is. He said, but uh, necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me if I don't evangelize, is what, what he says there. Uh, and if you look at Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 15, says uh, Paul again says, How are they to preach, to evangelize, unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Um, evangelism is it's all throughout the New Testament. It's in the Gospels, it's in the letters, it's, it's even in Revelation. Uh, it's, it's found throughout, um, and, and it's almost something that is just so, it's just, it, it's expected, it's a part of the Christian life, um, that we would herald the good news. Let's, let's make sure we don't confuse this with things that maybe we tend to think of when we think of evangelism, though. Um, evangelism is not just sharing your testimony, um, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe in order to share the good news with somebody about what Jesus has done, you're going you're to bring up your testimony, what the Lord has done in your own life, you know, as an example and encouragement. But that, that doesn't mean that you've evangelized just because you've told them something about what the Lord has done for you. Um, evangelism is not merely defending the faith. I think a lot of times people get really, they, they hesitate to, to evangelize, to share the gospel with people because they feel like they're going to get caught in their own lack of understanding maybe. Uh, they feel like, ah, I'm not as smart as these other people who've, who've read the books and checked the blogs and they, and they know all these things. They have all the right questions and they're going to they're trap me. You know? um, I got to be ready to defend the faith. Well, that's not necessarily evangelism either. Um, there are certainly things that as Christians, we ought to, hey, yeah, you want to know the answers to questions. You want to, you want to sharpen your ability to, to respond to people, to give people an answer when they, when they have questions. But that's not evangelism. It can be a part of it, but that's not the whole thing. It's, it's not just showing kindness. I think that's a really common way that we try to, to skirt around what evangelism actually is. So, you know, I think I'll, I'll, I'll love them to, to the knowledge of who Jesus is. You know, I'll, um, I'll be really kind. I'll invite them to dinner. I'll be their best friend. We'll do a million things together. We'll share all sorts of experiences in common. But I, I'm not going to tell them about Jesus. This is how I'm going to evangelize, you know, uh, is, is through just making them like you so much that somehow they come to faith through osmosis, I, I guess. Um, that, that's not evangelism. And, and this one's important. Seeing, seeing someone come to Christ, seeing someone actually converted, like right in front of your eyes, that's not evangelism either. Now that can happen because of evangelism. That can happen because you shared the gospel with them, they came to faith. But you need to know that just because someone doesn't come to faith after you've talked to them doesn't mean that you haven't evangelized. It doesn't mean that you failed in some way, or that you've been unfaithful, or that the Lord is not uh, going on, honoring what you've done, or that, that he won't be at work in that even years from now. Um, all these things are good. All these things can be helpful. All these things are certainly things that we, we want to see happen when we share the gospel, but, um, but that, that's not the be-all, end-all of sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel means that we, that we proclaim the good news. We tell people what Jesus has done. We talked last week about what the gospel is, and, and a, one really helpful way to think about it is God-man-Christ response, right? God initiates, he creates all things, he, he does it perfectly, he, he declares this is good, and yet man in our, in our, uh, in our fallenness, we, we turn from the Lord in sin um, and forever cut ourselves off from him. Um, We we are the the recipients, rightly, of his wrath and of his justice. Um, But God, again, in his mercy, he doesn't just burn it all to the ground. Um, Even when he floods the entire world, he promises never to do that again. Um, Because he also loves us so much that he would provide a means of giving us what we So badly need that reconciliation that we have totally forfeited, he gives it to us in Jesus, not in anything we've done, but but solely, entirely through him. Jesus is the righteousness that we don't have. Um, and he becomes the unrighteousness that we are uh, for us. So that we are now called to respond. You gotta do something with this. Will you believe? Will you turn from your sin? Will you turn to the Lord? Will you follow him? Will you give him your life? That is what it means to, to be a believer. That's what it means to be a Christian. Um, that, that's the, the whole goal of this good news. Is not that you would just know facts about God and who he is. That doesn't save anybody. Um, but that you would know him. Jesus died to bring us to God. And so we, we then need to go to him because we can through Christ. That's the gospel. Have you proclaimed that? You know, like that's the question that you have to ask yourself. Have you proclaimed? pointed people to Christ and his redemption. That that's what the, that's what evangelism is is all about. So why does this matter for the local church? I mean we talk about evangelism and I think a lot of times it becomes a thing that you kind of it's like a barometer for how faithful you you feel like you are to the Lord. And if you've evangelized enough or the right ways or you'd said and done the right things, you got enough people on your prayer list, you've you've had enough conversations at Starbucks, whatever it may be, like that that's how you know like how serious you are about following the Lord. But we rarely think about it in terms of the church, we think about it as a very individual thing, something that you, you do as a Christian to, uh, to, to be faithful to the Lord. But, but this, mat, this, this makes for a healthy church. Um, this, this is where healthy churches grow. Not just healthy Christian individuals, but, but churches. I think it's important for a number of reasons. Uh, and, and, and I think on the face of it, we kind of see, well, this is a way to, to see the fruitfulness of a church. You know, as a church evangelizes, as a church spreads the good news, as we, as we prioritize proclaiming the work that Christ has done, um, we, we will ourselves be a more fruitful church. Right? We'll see people coming to faith. Um, we'll, we'll see people coming and, and growing and being disciples, and, and the church should, should grow. Not, not, not numerically, I mean, the church should grow in terms of our, our, our likeness to Christ, right? Um. Which is why I say that evangelism and discipleship are really kind of two sides of the same coin. Because you start to see how these things kind of, the, kind of, the line gets blurred between what these two things are. Um, but, but the church is more fruitful as we uh, become more um, uh, evangelistic, because that's something that we value. The church is more understanding. Um, it, it shows like a, a greater awareness of the gospel and and of who Jesus is, what he's done as we evangelize. So if you turn to 1 Peter 3, verse 15, it says, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Um, you know Peter's point there um, is is that as we share the gospel, it's it's a it's a way of of gaining greater understanding of of what the gospel is. I mean, he says it in kind of a, a, a implied way, right? That that we would be ready. We need to be ready. Are are we as as CrossPoint as a church? Are we are we ready for the questions that people have? Are we ready to? To, to answer them when they ask what the good news is or why we live our lives according to this ancient myth to many people. Um, but one thing that I think we often overlook when we think about just why evangelism is important for a local church is, is joy. Like I think it's, it's a critical element to what makes for a joyful church. As we meditate on the gospel, as we meditate it on in a way that that spurs us on to fruitfulness, as we meditate on the gospel in a way that spurs us on to a deeper understanding of what it is when it comes to evangelism, then then we also should be meditating on the gospel in a way that spurs us on to greater joy. Right? Um, I'm one of those people that kind of I learn by by teaching, which sounds really horrible. I learn, I think, best when I'm, I'm in a position where I have to be able to regurgitate it to other people. Some of you are probably like that, where you think, I, I learned this better when I'm actually going to have to present it to somebody else from different angles. Um, it's just, I think it's true for everybody when it comes to the gospel and when it comes to evangelism. So if you go to 1 John and you turn to the first chapter there, verse 4, um, it's really interesting what what he says. He uh He's writing this letter to a church. He's he's telling them about how to know whether they are in Christ. What, what the what the gospel is, and he says we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now, this is this is John. Right? He's one of the apostles. You know, you think he you think he knows a thing or two about the gospel? Absolutely. Uh, but but part of the way that he stirs up joy that he completes his joy, that he pushes it over the edge, um, is is by sharing the gospel, is by proclaiming the good news. So in all these ways, then evangelism is really important for the life of a local church because as we are more oriented toward proclaiming the gospel to one another, but also to people outside this building, um, then it it should make us a more joyful church. You know, it not only should, I mean, it will. This is... This is how it works. <laughs> this is what happens. Um, and I've seen that happen. You've seen that happen probably in your own life. You know, you've had moments where you were so zealous for the, the, the gospel that you were sharing it with people and, and finding in yourself, despite maybe all the hazards socially of sharing the gospel with others who don't believe, you found yourself increasing in joy, right? Because you, you find that you delight so much in what the Lord has done that it, it kind of overshadows and overwhelms all these other reasons why you would maybe keep that to yourself. Uh, because the gospel, this is what happens, is that the Lord, he stirs up joy in his people as we meditate on what he's done, right? So um, there's, a, there's a culture then that, that we should strive to cultivate in the life of the local church. If we want to see these things happen, um, then we need to work diligently and certainly with the Lord's grace to, to develop a, an appetite for evangelism. You know we, that, that's something we should strive for. Uh, how do we do that? How can we create a culture of evangelism? Um, this this book that I'm not giving anybody because this one's mine, um, and and I, I mean it has my name in it. I mean this is you know you don't want this. Uh, he he brings up how to ways to think about establishing a, just a culture of evangelism. But I like the way he kind of begins it. He, he says here. Um, We seem to have an insatiable hunger for programs to accomplish evangelism. Why? Programs are like sugar. It's tasty, even addictive. However, it takes away a desire for more healthy food. And though it provides a quick burst of energy, over time it makes you flabby and a steady diet will kill you. That's helpful. A strict diet of evangelistic programs produces malnourished evangelism. Just as eating sugar can make us feel as if we've eaten when we really haven't, programs can often make us feel as if we've done evangelism when we haven't. So we should have a healthy unease with programs. We should use them strategically, but in moderation, remembering that God did not send an event, he sent his son. Now why do I say that? I think, I think when I mention the thought, how do we establish a culture of evangelism in Crosspoint? And likewise, when I say this about discipleship, how do we establish a culture of discipleship within Crosspoint? Uh, how do we foster that? How do we nurture that? I think the tendency that we all have, uh, myself included, is to say, okay, what, what infrastructure can we set up? What program can we make? What organizational thing can we set up to make this happen? As, as though we can, kind of, we can kind of put ourselves into some sort of matrix that'll spit out people who love to evangelize and make disciples all of a sudden. But just like going in a plane to the other side of the world doesn't make you a missionary, uh, filtering, your, filtering yourself through books and programs and, and methods and routines and all sorts of things, that, that's not going to necessarily make you somebody who desires to share the gospel with people. I think we, I think we know this, and I think we, we kind of put our, all our hope in these programs kind of as a way to blind us from the fact that this we know is really ultimately not gonna be the silver bullet that we kind of pretend that it will be, you know. Um, no, a culture, that's that's so much more valuable. Um be, because a culture is it, it it it's it's real, like it's it's real people. It starts with the desire and it builds into something that happens. That rather than starting with making it happen and hoping that it works out with the desire. So how do we cultivate this? How do we build this culture? I think, I think it starts with, and, and this book agrees with me, it starts with loving Jesus and the gospel, which maybe sounds a little condescending. I don't mean it that way. I know, I know a lot of you in this room love Jesus. You, you love the gospel. Um, but I, I would challenge us all, myself included, to, to just, I would just ask, you know, how, how, how much do we love it if, if we're not over-the-top eager to put it in front of people, you know? I mean, you hear that question a lot, and you're probably at a point now where you kind of tune it out if, you, if you've just kind of gotten cynical enough about it. Like, I'm not here for that, you know? <laughs> like, I, I just ate barbecue. I feel indigestion anyway, and now you're bringing up this question to me about how I'm supposed to, you know, love Jesus more. Um, don't Don't misunderstand me. You know, there are plenty of people who are just angry and belligerent and will tell you the gospel and spit in your face while they do it and they they don't love Jesus any more than uh than than Satan sometimes but um how how can we like do we do we love Jesus to the point that we love so many other things that we're willing to evangelize about you know what i mean um I mean, think of the last time you, you had a really good cup of coffee and it was from a brand that you just didn't expect, you know, and, and you went around telling people about, you got to try this, you know? Um, or have you seen that show? No, that show is really good. It's funny. It's got all the things you want and a great show. I mean, think of the excitement that you put into telling people about, I mean, just mundane, silly things, you know? And it's not to say we can't enjoy other things. That's not what I mean. But rather, I mean, what? Okay, if we like those things, do we, do we love the Lord? Is, is, I think, a question we need to ask. Um, and seriously, you know, to, to really reflect on. Second um, Corinthians 5, 14 and uh, 15. says this. The love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all and therefore all have died. He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Um The love of Christ compels us. You know, the Christ's love for us, but also the love the love of Christ, love for Christ that that we have. Like that that should that should compel us, you know, it should be the controlling, like the 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 MO for everybody, you know, is the the love of Christ. Um, we cultivate this sort of culture in the church by suppressing the desire to be entertained. This passage in Ezekiel refers to how the Israelites just love to hear a good preacher, um, but it turns out they were incredibly wicked and didn't care about what he said because they, they loved being entertained. They loved being fed, um, but, but they, they weren't willing to do the, to do the work of, of actually being holy and following the Lord and And being a conduit for the good news, as opposed to just a a vessel for it that receives it. Uh, Are are you someone that that it can go through to those who don't know? By seeing the church as the best method of evangelism, that's another way that we cultivate a culture of evangelism within our church. Do you you see yourself as the best method, but do you see the church, the the gospel, the the brothers and sisters that you know that you can kind of collaborate with and pray with, and the community group that you're a part of, the the relationships that you have with others? Um, Do you see the church as God's means of bringing the gospel to the world? Because that's what the church is. It's it's an outpost in an enemy land uh, meant to to proclaim uh, the excellencies of, of another kingdom, another king. Um, these are three ways, there's a bunch of other ways, surely, that we can cultivate this culture. by Those are three that I, I think um, are maybe more critical than others. Why does this matter for you? Well, the Great Commission, I think, makes it clear that evangelism matters. Uh, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples, and that, that starts with evangelism, that we would proclaim the work that Jesus has done. Um, the Bible refers to us repeatedly as ambassadors, which I, I love that thought. That that we are ambassadors, and, and this church is like an embassy, and 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 here we are. We're, we're representing this kingdom, this foreign land. We're representing it in this world. And you know, the United States is not our home. Um, heaven is, and 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 CrossPoint, you know, is, is like an embassy here in the U.S. In, in which we present the values and the way of living of an, of another place. Um, we're ambassadors. We talked about God man Christ, response this, this way of thinking of the gospel and and I think evangelism it presents all of this, but uh, there's such an emphasis on the response I think um, to, to to truly evangelize you do have to you have to round out the story what are you going to do about it how, how, what are you going to do with this knowledge and and I think um, and, and in this book here um, he brings up three kind of ways to uh, to really approach this idea of a response to say, well, this, this is costly. You know, following Christ is, it comes at a cost. It, it, you know, Jesus said, I don't, I don't have a house. I don't have a place to rest my head. And if you follow me, you won't either. You know, the, the world hated me. Of course, it will hate you. These are things that Jesus told us. The, our response to the gospel is costly. It's urgent. Um, Jesus, he he tells us in Luke twelve twenty. Uh, if you turn there with me, I think he's talking about the man at the plow. Luke twelve twenty. He says, um, "Oh, he's talking about the the man who stores up everything for himself and." God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. The things you have prepared, whose will they be? Um, The gospel, this is is a matter of great urgency. Do we present the gospel that way? Do we present the gospel, finally, as something that is ultimately worth it? Um, John 10, 10, says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is, this is our gospel. This is our good news. Abundant life. Um, I, I know that's a lot. There's a lot of things to think about, a lot of things to chew on there. Um, there are plenty of good books, I think, to, to read as well. and We have them in the resource room. Um, Mark Dever has one called The Gospel and Personal Evangelism. This is a much bigger way of just kind of expounding on these things. And then J.I. Packer has another book, too, called, the, um, called Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. Um, I mean, thinking about the ways that the Lord is the one who is at work. We talked about conversion. This is a work of the Lord. Evangelism, that somebody would come to faith in Christ, that's a work of the Lord, too. Uh, no matter how articulate or not you are, you know, no matter how uh, well you speak, no matter uh, all the points that you bring up, the arguments that you use to refute, whatever, um, it's the Lord's work that somebody would come to know him. It's the Lord's work that somebody would come to grow more and more like Christ. Um, this, is, this is evangelism. Let's, let's talk about discipleship then. Um, and and this, is the sa- this is the other side of that coin. Um, you know, if... if evangelism is proclaiming the good news, I think discipleship is nothing less than that. Um, but maybe with more of an, of an eye toward helping believers to live according to this gospel. Um, evangelism, you, you, you know, or maybe you don't know, but you know, it, it seems like the person in front of you is, a, is not a believer. Whereas with the discipleship, you're thinking about it more in terms of them being a believer. But let's not ever lose sight of the fact that believers need the gospel just as much as unbelievers do. Right, um, we we should never be divorcing the gospel from how we minister to people, whether they trust Christ or not, because the gospel is the only place where we, we can find hope. It's the only place where we find life, and it's the only place where we can find continuing life. So, so discipleship comes in that in that stream. Then, um, discipleship is helping believers to live according to the gospel. You know, this is also the Great Commission that we would make disciples, uh, that we would teach them to observe all that Jesus commanded. Um, we, we want to help people to love God. That's what discipleship is. We want them to love the Lord. That's one of the, the the commandments that Jesus gives. We want them to obey God. In John 14, 15, he says, if you, if you love me, you will obey my commands. That's discipleship. Um, 2nd Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 5. I want to read this Says this. Um, yeah, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self control, self control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing or growing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the Christian life. That's what we want to spur one another on toward. That's what discipleship then is. I mean, that should define the way that you relate to other believers, members of this church. Seeking these qualities in yourself, finding others who, who can help you in that, and, and not only being the kind of person who seeks that from others and seeks that help, but being the kind of person who gives that, who comes alongside somebody who doesn't even necessarily know how badly they need it, and you are there to, to push them, to pick them up, to, to, to help them to see. This is, this is what discipleship means. So why does this matter for the local church? I mean, I think we kind of get to see this picture already. But I mean, this is one of the church's main purposes, is that we would make disciples. Um, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let's not cease meeting together. Some people are in the habit of doing this, but instead, let's spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Right? That, that's the purpose of the local church. That we would meet, that we would gather together, and that we would, in this like real relationship—not just some sort of online or abstract idea of the church at large. No, the people that you actually know, the ones that you really can spur on in a meaningful way, those are the ones that you spur on, I and mean, you should. This is what we're called to do. Um, we we talk about this like in our membership class that the members of CrossPoint are—they're—they're uh, they're not just like oh members, you know. Uh, no, we, we are we are under shepherds. You know, Jesus. He will He will build His church. He will shepherd His people. He will He will guide His flock, and He He appoints pastors and elders to 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 care for His church in that way. But but right there in the midst of that is is that these same pastors and elders would equip the saints for the work of ministry. Um, this is the whole point of well, um, like, yeah, of Ephesians four. So, so if you want to turn there with me, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, it says that he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love were to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's discipleship. Uh, That's the the purpose of the church. It's the way that, that Christ has organized his church, that he would be its head and That he would appoint pastors, but that it doesn't stop. The the ministry of discipleship doesn't stop with pastors. It should be modeled by them. It should be begun, they they should be at the forefront forefront of that. Um, But it's so that we might equip the saints, you, right? The members of the the church to to do the the work of shepherding and caring for and building one another up. That's, That's what we're here for. That's what the church is, is built around. Um, why does this matter for you? I think disciples should be making disciples. If you consider yourself to be a disciple of Jesus, then y- you, should be, you should be invested in other people. You should be invested in brothers and, and sisters. Um, like I, I, don't, I don't think there's a category for someone who calls himself a disciple who isn't Actively trying to make more. Now, what? Now, does that mean that you, you know, you've you've got a list of you know, however many people that you're regularly meeting with in a certain way and going through a certain set curriculum, and you know, you got to go through Genesis to Revelation in a year, and that's how you 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 know that you've discipled somebody. I don't think so. Maybe you picked up on that. Um, I think it can be very informal. Um, what might this look like? I think, it, I think it does look like taking initiative. And that's probably the hardest part, isn't it? I think that's probably the biggest barrier uh, to discipleship. At least it seems to be the, the one that I run into most often. Um, and this kind of gets back too, to this idea of having, having programs and, and let's set up a structure for this to take place. Those things can be helpful, and, and they can be used in a way that can facilitate discipleship, just like evangelism. But you see, if we rely on these things, then we, we kind of farm out the, the, the impetus for it, the desire for it. We farm out the heart for it to something mechanical, not, you know, to, to something that's not even real, whether it's some plan or a structure or what have you. Um, now, I, I think, honestly, the, this is the hardest thing. This is the biggest hurdle, but it's the one that if we would get past would, I think, open the door for us to be so much more fruitful is if, if we took initiative with one another. And some of you are already cringing. You hear me say that and you think, whoa, buddy. You know? But Seriously, I mean, you, you know people. Don't act like you don't know people. You know people in this church, even if it's one person. Um, you know people in this church who are believers. How can you, how can you bless them? How can you build them up? They've been a Christian longer than you? Okay, fine. How can you, how can you build them up in the faith? They're older than you? Fine. How can you build them up in the faith? One, one thing that I, I think often hinders people is, you know, they feel like they got to have all the answers. they got to know everything. they got to be at the very extreme edge of, of mature Christian discipleship. And that will never be true of any of us, you know? Uh, this side of eternity, we will never know anything the way that we ought to ultimately. So you're going to make a mess of it one way or another, and you might as well do it with all the gusto you can right now, you know? Because, because here we are. The Lord has put us together in this place uh, to, to care for one. This is the church that he built. And he didn't do it by mistake. He wasn't saying, uh, you know, my purpose for the church is really being foiled by all these people who don't have their lives perfectly in a row, Wish I'd thought of that, you know? That's not how the Lord feels about his church. He, he calls the church his bride. He, he's planning already. He's shown us the details of how he's going to beautify his church. And you know what it involves? It requires, actually, that we, as his people, would minister to one another. And that, I think, starts with taking initiative. Inviting somebody to lunch, going to get coffee, just opening up a Bible with them. You'd be surprised how fruitful that can be. It's the word of God. Um, find someone who knows that they need help and sometimes you can be chasing uh, after somebody who the, that 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 discipleship relationship is never going to happen because they don't even really see their need for uh your your care and and concern and and that's that's fine you, you just kind of move on to someone who who does want that All right. seek people out find people who who know that they need that they need growth they want to pursue holiness help them all right, find them and, and and take them under your wing. It, it looks like teaching and correcting. It looks like modeling uh, for somebody what the Christian life looks like. Um, it involves bringing people into your life. I mean, if if you're if you're a mom and and you're taking care of your kids, let's say, um, bring someone along for the ride. You can get free babysitting, and you can also show them what it looks like to to parent your children, um, to to be a disciple of Jesus. You can show them this. I mean, Jesus' disciples did the same thing. They followed him everywhere he went. Um, That's what discipleship looks like, bringing people into your life. Seeing the local church as an embassy is another way that we do that. We, we are a model to, to one another and to, to this world of what this coming kingdom will be like. Um, that, that's how we need to see ourselves. And, and it, it, yeah, it looks like setting expectations. You know, maybe, maybe having a, a plan, having, having an end in sight even. Um, if you're going to disciple somebody, don't feel like this is a, 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 for the rest of your life relationship that you've committed yourself to. Um, it's okay to finish the book and move on. It's it's okay to to work through whatever area of holiness they are pursuing, and when you're done, to to move on. Um, but I, I think I think what's and this is this is true. So many things. You know, it, it's better to do it imperfectly, make mistakes, all of it. it. That is that is better than to do to do nothing. Um, And the gospel gives us everything we need to faithfully evangelize and make disciples. Because that, that is where discipleship and evangelism begins with the gospel. If you know Jesus, you have been given all that you need to show people who he is. Everything you need. I'm not going to do Q and A. I'll stick around. If you have thoughts, questions, let me, let me pray for us. Lord, we we thank you for these two things. I, I pray that, um, that what I've said tonight would not be overwhelming to anybody, but that, um, to the contrary, we would be stirred up, um, Given a, just a, a, a greater eagerness to bring the gospel to bear on the lives of the people around us, whether they are believers or not, that we would so love this good news that we we can't help but proclaim it to others. I pray that you give us boldness, that you you give us wisdom and discernment, that you would give us love, um, that you give us humility. I pray this, this week that, um, that you would give each of us an, an opportunity to, to share the gospel with people, And I pray that you would give us um, the courage to to follow through and to to do that. We we know countless people who are not believers. Um, So help us to to have a vision for things that is so much greater than, than this lifetime. So much greater than our social... Webs, um, but that sees the bigger picture, the the glorious thing that you are doing, that you are using your church to accomplish, uh, which is the salvation of the lost, um, and and the the ever continuing growth of your church, your people, um, being made more and more into the image of Christ. Help us to be a church that is a a bastion for, for those things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a few books up here. If you want one, come grab it. One of them is Devon's.